When you drive a vehicle so reliable it's backed by a 10-year, 100,000-mile limited warranty, you stop thinking about what you can't do and start doing what you never thought possible. Visit your local Kia dealer today to see what you're capable of in a vehicle that inspires confidence around every corner. Kia. Movement that inspires. Call 800-333-4KIA for details. Always drive safely. Limited inventory available. Warranties include 10-year, 100,000-mile powertrain and 5-year, 60,000-mile basic. Warranties are limited. See retailer for details. Hi, I'm Shashank Bhargav, and you're listening to Three Things, the Indian Express news show. On Wednesday, a five-judge constitution bench of the Supreme Court struck down the Maharashtra law that granted reservation to the Maratha community in admissions and government jobs in the state. The law was first passed by Maharashtra in 2018 and at the time it proposed to give the Maratha community 16% reservation in the state. This happened after several protests were made by the community demanding reservation. Marathas constitute 32% of the state's population and are a major political force to reckon with in Maharashtra and they are dominant not just politically but also socially and economically though over the years a gap has emerged within the community the financial stability of many within the community especially the middle and the lower middle class has declined some of this happened due to the ongoing agrarian crisis and this is one of the reasons that led to them demanding reservation but the supreme court like mentioned earlier has struck down the law that gave them reservation and the judgment that did so is not just limited to what it says about this maratha quota law among other things it also talks about whether states should even be allowed to notify a community as belonging to the other backward classes and whether they can give them reservation this is what makes it significant In this episode we take a look at this judgment talk about the various arguments that the court looked at and the implications it has for the OBC communities and the states and for that Apurva Vishwanath who reports on law for the Indian Express joins us Apurva before we discuss the verdict could you give us a little context and talk about the history of the Maratha Kota law when was the law first put in place So this is a 2018 law where the Maratha community was given reservation under the Maharashtra State Social and Educational Backward Class Act. So this special act essentially took the overall reservation in Maharashtra to about 65%. Right, this is because the law gave the Maratha community 16% reservation in education and jobs in the state of Maharashtra. so the overall reservation became like you said around 65% now usually this doesn't happen right usually the quota for reservation is limited to 50% uh, half of it is usually kept open for the general category so it becoming around 65% was it the first time this was happening so although this 50% ceiling for reservations is widely practiced there have been exceptions to this rule Tamil Nadu for example is a very notable exception it has had over 65% reservation for many many years now Haryana experimented with quota for the jat community which was in 2016 struck down by the supreme court so there have been examples of the ceiling exceeding 50% and when that comes to court it gets challenged and there is a tussle there between the judicial interpretation and the need or the imperative for the government to give quota to a certain community 
And that's what happened in this case because after the law was passed in 2018, it was then challenged in the Bombay High Court. Could you talk about what the High Court did then? So there was a public interest litigation that came before the Bombay High Court. The Bombay High Court essentially upheld the reservation, but instead of the 16% that the government had announced, it said that it should be reduced to say 12% in education and 13% in jobs. This was essentially the recommendation that was made by the State Backward Classes Commission. So what the court did was instead of going by the government's percentages, it said that the government should follow what the commission had recommended. But otherwise, the court did uphold the act itself. And the Bombay High Court's reasoning was essentially this, that even though this 1992 landmark case, Indra Sani judgment, laid down the 50% ceiling, there has been an exception to that, that in certain extraordinary circumstances, this 50% ceiling can be allowed to breach. So the Bombay High Court saw reason in this. The Bombay High Court said that going by what the State Backward Classes Commission had recommended, their findings, the court essentially said that there is this extraordinary circumstance that has been made out. And because of that, the 50% ceiling can be allowed to be breached. Okay, so the Bombay High Court upholds this law, reduces the quota proposed by it a little bit, even though the 50% ceiling for reservations is still being breached. But the matter obviously doesn't end there. The judgment is again challenged in the Supreme Court. So what happens there? So, of course, the Bombay High Court ruling is then challenged before the Supreme Court. And the question essentially is about the interpretation of the Indrasani case. The primary question is at least that, because in Indrasani, the court, it's a nine-judge bench ruling, and the court gives out a list of these extraordinary circumstances when the 50% ceiling can be breached. But that is not an exhaustive list. It's only an illustrative list, as we understand. So the petitioners argue that this needs to be revisited. And also, is this 50% limit even valid? Because it is a judicial invention. It is an arbitrary number drawn up. So after so many years, this case needs to be revisited was one of the arguments that was made. So a three-judge bench of the Supreme Court basically stayed the implementation of the quota and also referred the case to a five-judge bench. So even the stay, the interim stay was also a very rare happening. Legislations are not usually stayed in an interim order. If you recall, this was in discussion during the farm laws that one of the previous occasions or perhaps the only occasion in recent times when the court had stayed a legislation was the Maratha Quota Act. But in that, the court essentially stayed the Bombay High Court verdict and through that, the legislation. So this five-judge bench reviewing the judgment of the Bombay High Court is how we come to the present. Um, the bench we know has now struck down the Maratha Kota law, meaning the Maratha community in Maharashtra will not be given reservation in education and jobs. And you write that in coming to this decision, the Supreme Court essentially looked at six questions on the issues of the Maratha Kota law. So what were these six questions about? So the six questions that the Supreme Court framed for itself go beyond what the Maratha Kota law itself is. These are all questions of law. Only two focus specifically on the Maratha Kota itself. The rest are broader constitutional questions about reservations to socially and economically backward classes in the country. So the first question it really focused on is whether the Indrasani judgment needs to be revisited. 
because the Indrasani judgment is a nine judge bench ruling, if it has to be revisited, it can only be done by a 11 judge bench. So this becomes the first question. And if the court decided that it had to be revisited, then it would have been referred to a larger bench and that would be the end of it for now. But the court in its ruling basically decided not to revisit the Indrasani judgment. So you had mentioned earlier that the Indrasani judgment was the one that puts this 50% ceiling in reservations. What exactly was the reasoning behind doing that? So, you know, one of the reasons why petitioners asked that the Indrasani judgment be revisited is because this 50% ceiling has been problematic since 1992 when the court first came up with it because it is an arbitrary line drawn in sand. There is no reason why it was 50% and not something else. The idea was basically that it shouldn't exceed the majority. So it shouldn't be more than half of the total seats available or the total opportunities available. So that was something that the court went with. But in subsequent judgments, the court itself, in trying to rationalize this reason for why it came up with a 50% ceiling, has said that there can be exceptions to this. And in some cases has even allowed these exceptions. So there are subsequent judgments which basically are not in the same line as Indrasani. So most of these reasons made petitioners seek the revisiting of Indrasani judgment. Okay, so the Supreme Court, like you mentioned, decided not to revisit this judgment. But what were the arguments in the favor of the Maratha Kota law considering it did exceed the 50% ceiling? So first, if the 50% ruling itself was questionable, then there would have been no issue with having quota that exceeded 50%, right? But assuming that the 50% ceiling is in place, which it is now, the petitioners argued that there are these extraordinary circumstances that make it valid. And these extraordinary circumstances, how the Backward Classes Commission and the state government argued is that Overall, in the state of Maharashtra, if you look at communities that are socially and economically backward, including the SEST communities, it would come up to somewhere around 85%. So they went into this empirical analysis of the population which and their share in or their representative share. And they say that if it's about 85%, then exceeding this 50% ceiling is okay. That's how the state rationalizes it. But this argument is something that does not cut ice with the Supreme Court. The Supreme Court says that just having representation or lack of representation cannot be that extraordinary circumstance that Indrasani case envisages. So the Supreme Court basically says that that can't be an extraordinary. But what is interesting is the court doesn't say what else can be an extraordinary circumstance. And also the verdict also looks at whether the Marathas are can be qualified as socially and economically backward. And this is purely a subjective assessment. The court says that in the national life, they have been in active public life. And you can't really say that they're socially and economically backward. So lack of representation does not equate to backwardness is what the court comes up with and says that the state's argument in presenting this as an extraordinary circumstance is not valid. Okay, so far we have talked about how the court decided not to revisit the Indrasani judgment, that it decided that the Maratha Kota law does not qualify to exceed the 50% ceiling under the exceptional circumstances and that Marathas don't even qualify as socially and economically backward. 
what are some of the other things that the court looks at in this judgment so apart from the indira sani case and the 50% rule the other important factor that really the court looked into was on the 102nd constitutional amendment that was made in 2018 so what the 102nd constitutional amendment did was give constitutional status to the national backward classes commission so earlier this was a statutory body and since 2018 it became a constitutional body and what does it mean for something to become a constitutional body as opposed to a statutory body so the attorney general argued in court that the constitutional amendment was only brought in to sort of give it a constitutional legitimacy but not really change the structure of how obc quotas work in the country so what happens when something is a statute versus something is in the constitution it is only a greater degree of protection a statute can be repealed through an ordinance by the government it has to be subsequently put before the parliament but it can also be done essentially through an ordinance in the beginning however if if it is a constitutional provision it is a greater procedure or the sanctity is far more because you also need the states to ratify removing a constitutional procedure the going through this process is a much more scrutinized process and it gives it greater protection if it's a constitutional provision so that was essentially why the central government decided to bring in this constitutional amendment and put it in the constitution give the national commission for backward classes constitutional legitimacy okay so coming back to the 102nd constitutional amendment that the court looked at during this ruling you said that it made the national backward commission a constitutional body what else did this amendment do so what the 102nd constitutional amendment does is essentially introduce two provisions in the constitution one giving the national backward classes commission a constitutional status and another provision which is 342a of the constitution which says that the president may with respect to state or union territory basically notify the socially and educationally backward classes so this law is what is in challenge before the supreme court the question really is does this mean that the power to notify a class as a socially and educationally backward class lie only with the president after the introduction of this constitutional amendment or do states still have the power to do so and states are the ones that have traditionally notified and given reservation to other backward classes right but the center has also notified and has had its own list of obcs so could you talk about both of their roles when it comes to giving reservation so how it has worked so far is that you have state list of backward classes and then you have a central list of backward classes so the state list of backward classes the reservation would apply with regard to jobs in the state government and with educational institutions that are under the state government while the central list would apply to central government jobs and education which is essentially under the central government so a central university will have quota for a particular list and the state educational institutions would have quota for a particular list to explain this there are certain castes which could be obc in one state but not in another state so this is essentially why this distinction was drawn and two separate lists would come to be in practice however what 
was argued here is that even the central government said that this is the law and the reason behind introducing the constitutional amendment was to only give constitutional status to this natural backward classes commission and not to take away the state's powers so the attorney general for india kk venugopal argues in court that it is inconceivable that the states have no power in determining who is backward class but however the court decides completely the opposite of it so wait the states want this power the center also wants the states to have this power but the court decides otherwise yeah so in the five judge bench ruling on the first three issues that we discussed uh, which is on the 50% ceiling and whether the maratha quota qualified for that extraordinary circumstance that the indra sani judgment mentions these three issues all five judges have a unanimous opinion they all agree that the 50% rule is here to stay and the maratha quota law does not qualify as an extraordinary circumstances and therefore is unconstitutional but on the question of interpretation of this 102nd constitutional amendment there is a split and two judges the bench was headed by justice ashok bhushan so justice ashok bhushan and justice abdul nazir these two say that the 102nd constitutional amendment does not take away the power from the states but in a separate opinion justice ravindra bhat basically makes a case for going beyond the letter of article 342a and says if the parliament went to such great lengths to give constitutional status to the national backward classes commission and establish this permanent body which would basically look at identifying backward classes then it definitely must be more than what the textual law itself says so justice bhat says that now the power after the introduction of the 102nd amendment the power is concentrated only with the president and no other body to determine whether a particular caste is a socially and educationally backward class and justice nageshwar rao and justice heman gupta agree with his interpretation of this constitutional amendment so the majority opinion right now as it stands is really that states have no power to declare some class as a backward class really so what where this leaves the existing framework of reservation for the backward classes is that the court says till the national backward classes commission essentially takes a relook at these lists and publishes it again till then the existing framework will continue but once the the commission makes up its mind and the list is published then there would be only one list and that is the list approved by the president of india so different states have over the years been notifying different obcs will those lists essentially become null and void so that is a problematic area now so what the court does is essentially equate the backward classes framework to what we have for the scs and sts if you look at the constitutional protection for scheduled castes and scheduled tribes it is also a list that is approved by the president and only the parliament can change so the court now equates this framework that is the backward classes framework to the framework of the sce and sts as we have it right now but it's problematic for the government because it is not in the spirit of federalism in the country 
Of course, the court says that it does not affect the federal issue or it, it is not an issue of federalism. And just making a mere change like this does not violate basic structure of the constitution. But politically, this will be seen as anti-federal. And the central government itself doesn't want this interpretation. It is highly likely that the government would go in and seek either a revision of the judgment or even bring an amendment to basically balance it out. So after this ruling, what powers do states have when it comes to reservation that they can give to other backward classes? So Justice Bhatt says that while the president will only identify the groups, it will still be upon the states to determine, say, for example, the extent of reservation or the specific policies that should apply to these classes and things like that. And that, in the majority opinion, says that will be in the spirit of cooperative federalism. So identifying who is a socially and economically backward class would be for the central government, but devising a policy framework for them, examining how much reservation they should be given and to what extent, and these issues will lie with the state is what the Supreme Court ruling says now. And what implications could this ruling have politically? Because reservation is always something that has been political, right? We have seen protests for this Maratha quota. So many times there have been protests by the Jat community in Haryana. And because of that, states have come under pressure. So how will this ruling impact all of that? So, of course, politically, the immediate ramification is that the power of the states is curtailed to a great extent. Because the center has been saying this from 2018 in various affidavits and even in the court during the arguments that happened in this case, that the amendment was not aimed at taking away the power of the state. So that is going to be an immediate fallout and the center will uh, probably like have to look at this issue, come back with a more clearer explanation or change the wording in the constitution itself to balance this out. Second is, of course, if there is only one list, how does it work? And that is a central list. How does it work for different states? How is it going to be balanced out? That is something that we'll still have to see. In all likelihood, the central government might bring in an amendment or even look at what are its legal options to seek a revision of the judgment. You were listening to Three Things by The Indian Express. Today's show was written and produced by me, Shashank Bhargav, and was edited and mixed by Suresh Pawar. If you like the show, then do subscribe to us wherever you get your podcasts. You can also recommend the show to someone you think will like it. Share it with a friend or someone in your family. It's the best way for people to get to know about us. You can tweet us at Express Podcasts and write to us at podcast at indianexpress.com.